G'day guys, Dan here from Epic Drives Western Australia. Thanks for listening. If this is your first time hearing about the channel, welcome. Okay, so since my last podcast, we had the annual four-wheel drive and camping show here in Perth. Uh, I got away with a few crew and we went down south for a long weekend of wheeling, camping, fishing and everything else in between. And I've also just got back from a trip up north to Lucky Bay and Kalbarian, of course. We've had Christmas and it's 2021. So Happy New Year, everybody. And let's hope that this year is, well, it's got to be better than last year, right? But hey, who knows? Anyway, that's all coming up right now. Okay, so let's start off by talking a little bit about this year's four-wheel drive and camping show. I'm just going to be brutally honest first up and say I was a little disappointed. In fairness, it was amazing to have the show at all this year because of you know the virus, um, and I may have been a little bit too excited, and perhaps I had anticipated more, but yeah... This year, for me, was a bit of a letdown. The show seemed, for some reason, just to be filled with even more caravans than any other year, which is awesome if you're in the market for a new caravan or camper. Uh, But here's a hot tip. If you're in the market for a camper or caravan, wait a few years and grab a second-hand one that will likely be virtually brand new once you know, all this international travel is back in the game. There'll be a lot of globetrotters reassessing their need for a mobile home on wheels. Now, the show had something for everyone in the outdoor market. I go mostly for the entertainment rather than the show specials and all that. With no real time to plan the stage shows, um, it did feel a little bit unorganised, if I'm honest. Not to criticise um, the personalities who I saw. Uh, Andrew St. Pierre White, uh, Joe Clues, Graham Cahill, they were all great. Um, and I'm all, um, you know, all I'm going to say is I look forward to next year's show, which will no doubt be unrestricted by the virus, hopefully, fingers crossed, or whatever. Um, you know, who knows what nature's going to throw at us next time, but hopefully next year's show will be awesome. So I guess it's fair to say that this year really has been unlike any other in living memory, certainly in my memory. I mean, borders shut and international travel more of a fantasy during the peak of the pandemic. WA has become the tourist destination for those who typically would normally choose to holiday over east or overseas. And this has meant that for a lot of locals, they're heading out to the far reaches of their own state and perhaps entering the off-road adventure game for the very first time. And the first wave of holidaymakers have made their way en masse to Broome and all of the surrounds. And this summer is no different except the masses are traveling down south, literally hundreds of thousands of eager holidaymakers. And this is obviously awesome for the outdoor adventure market. The amount of brand new four-wheel drives towing brand new campers and caravans is evident everywhere you look. Many suppliers are obviously struggling to keep up with demand and booking a site at a caravan park hasn't been an issue for me, uh, but I have heard from other people that it can prove problematic at times. 
all the negatives aside, perhaps the best part is that many WA residents are seeing their home state for the very first time and people are experiencing the stunning and often rugged and remote beauty of Western Australia and getting up close and personal with nature for literally the very first time. This can only be a good thing during a time of isolation, quarantining, anxiety and uncertainty. And I know that for myself anyway, that heading out into nature is a truly unique unique way of resetting my mind and no doubt has a real benefit for my mental health and just general happiness. There is a real concern, however, when it comes to people heading out with little or no experience. They might have incorrect gear or lack of gear. I'm really worried that we may well see an increase in serious, even fatal incidences over holidaymakers in WA. Now, I don't want to sound like a worried parent in your ear, but I'd be foolish to tell someone to head out for the horizon off-road without making sure they completely understood the situation that they're voluntarily putting themselves into. So if I was to say to someone who was looking to go off-road for their first time, the gear that's required is really pretty basic, so long as you plan a trip that is not too remote uh, and is close to, or relatively close to civilization, and perhaps you may even still have mobile signal. Now traditionally, a camping trip comprised of a car any car, a tent or swag, sleeping bag, a map of where you're going and some food. However, once you decide to go for longer or head to more remote locations, or you just wanna have a more comfortable modern experience, you're inevitably going to need more equipment. The most important gear to consider are things like off-road tires, spotlight, suspension, snorkel, bull bar, tire repair kit, UHF radio, max tracks or the equivalent of recovery boards. And the list really does just go on and on. But you don't need all that gear to get out there for your first time. You just need to get out and explore and you'll soon get an idea of what you really need. Everyone is different with different ideas as to what they do when they go off-roading. But let's assume that you've got a stock four-wheel drive like me or an all-wheel drive vehicle, and this is your very first overnight trip. So the first lot of things to stick in your car would be a tent and a sleeping bag, food and water, uh, and a decent sized esky, of course. Um, but there are alternatives to these items, such as a swag or a rooftop tent or camper trailer, blankets instead of sleeping bags, and fridges as opposed to eskies. Whatever gear you go with, ensure that you've got the necessary gear and the necessarily necessary knowledge and how to erect it, like a tent. Um, you know, tents can be a nightmare if you've never set it up before at home. Um, tent pegs always go missing, um, but make sure you've got the the stuff before you leave. So you might have a fly, um, might take a ground cover, or just use a tarp. Um, so that's it for the very basic stuff. Next up, pack a portable camp stove and you can get really cheap gas cookers and you can get really expensive varieties. Go with one that's not the cheapest but fits your budget and pack your plates, bowls, cutler in anything else you need for cooking. On speaking of camp cooking, pack some lights or keep it simple and just use an LED head torch um, as typically it's dark when you're cooking dinner and with no light, camp cooking becomes virtually 
impossible. You'll also need some sort of table and of course chairs. Get a camp chair with a cup holder and a foldable lightweight table and that's pretty much it for your basic camp. Next you'll need to take some recovery gear. The basics are all you need. The most important items to carry on all off-road trips are recovery boards such as Max Tracks as I said before, a tyre repair kit, air compressor, tyre pressure gauge, snatch strap, UHF radio, jump lead, shovel and an understanding of how to use all the gear that you've got. If you're going away for an extended period or you're going somewhere remote then this list gets longer and well really each trip is different so consider each trip individually and pack accordingly. Some extra gear may be things like um, a sat phone or a personal locator beacon, you might fit a winch to your car, a high lift jack, uh, an additional spare tire so you've got two spare tires. The list really goes on and on but basically the idea is this, pack for any and every situation that you can imagine from being bogged to engine problems, flat tire, flat battery, becoming lost, panel damage, um, you might run out of fuel. Like, no one really expects to get injured but four-wheel driving does have its obvious risks so ensure you pack a well-stocked first aid kit and that you know how to use it. Once you've got this gear together you'll be surprised at how quickly it fills your car. With the limited space left, pack things like camera gear, fishing gear, snorkeling gear, um, if you have kids, a couple of things to entertain them on the road and, it, and then at camp as well and that'll see you through for a safe and enjoyable short road trip. Now the last two trips I've done would be ideal for someone looking for an easy two to three day trip that could easily be extended for a longer holiday. The first trip uh, this summer was south following the Cape to Cape track and the second was north uh, ending in Kalbarri National Park. Uh, my down south trip started in Dunsborough at the Cape Naturalist Lighthouse. Uh, if you're like me, you're a big fan of the southwest and this trip does take in some of the best natural locations in the Margaret River region. So a trip from Cape Naturalist to Cape Lewin might look something like this. So from the lighthouse in Dunsborough, head to Bunker Bay, which is sheltered from the wind and it's a great place for fishing and snorkeling. And then head to Sugarloaf Rock. It's a great location for photography. Um, if caves are your thing, um, Neil G Cave is relatively close by or head to Yelling Up to swim or surf. Then drive up to Williabrup Beach, check out the view from the top, or park and walk down to check out the surf or have a fish. Continuing south down Caves Road, you'll pass Calgadup Cave and Mammoth Cave as well as Lake Cave before reaching Conto Campground. You'll need to book online to stay here. The campground has 116 campsites spread throughout an awesome looking woodland so you're probably not going to have any problem getting a spot there but it's a great place to end your first day or alternatively continue on to Point Road Camp area. There are toilet facilities at both sites but Point Road Camp is a lot smaller. The next day head out to Round Rock and Merchant Rock and have a walk around but just be very careful as large waves and changing tides can make the rock slippery. Next stop is an absolute must do. The beach is called North Point. 
It's a picturesque lagoon protected by a large rock just offshore. Perfect for kids to swim and snorkel, but keep a very close eye on them at all times as the sea behind the lagoon is extremely treacherous. But it's a really good spot as well if you're into all the, you know, getting the Instagram shots and all that. Now, after checking out this awesome beach, continue on to Boronup Beach. There's also a very nice bush camp here called Boronup Campground. It's only a small campground set amongst stunning carry forest with only seven small campsites here. It's not suitable for large groups and it's often booked out. If you want to get your four-wheel drive down onto Boronup Beach, you'll need to take Bob's track to access it air down to at least 20 psi i'd say 15 if you've got something like a hilux um, when attempting to drive on well any beach really but it's particularly quite soft down there just down the road is hamlin bay the beach is accessed by driving through the caravan park although busy it's a good spot to spend a second night as there are showers toilets undercover kitchen and there's also undercover eating areas there's a deli a playground there's barbecues and it's also staffed. The beach has a bunch of features for all you Instagrammers. Again, there's tur turquoise water, the remains of an old jetty, and there's really friendly stingrays to swim with. The ocean here is also calm and perfect for kids to swim. Uh, there's also a boat ramp situated here. Uh, then the next day you could continue down Kay's Road to Jewel Cave, and there's also Moondine Cave on your way down to Augusta. Uh, Check out the town and the lighthouse at Cape Lewin before heading back to Perth. That's just my quick example of a trip that you might want to do. But there is so much down in the southwest southwest region that well, if you're local, you know it's not you're not going to see it all in one go. It's worth many, many, many years of travelling around to see all of it, and even then, you're going to want to revisit stuff because it is a truly amazing location. So the boys and I got back from our trip down south at the beginning of December uh, and the videos on my YouTube channel just search for Epic Drives Western Australia and I've also stuck in a whole bunch of GPS waypoints for campsites and that sort of thing. Now during November I raised money for the Movember, November charity called Movember raises money for men's health. In particular, they raise money and awareness into testicular cancer and mental health. I was given some merch by the brake company Bendix and I've still got some stuff left. So I'm running a competition for the best joke, preferably, prefer, preferably something to do with four-wheel driving, camping, fishing, or just typically Aussie. Now the winner will get a Bendix bag of goodies a work light stubby holder hat and pen so post your joke on my facebook page i'll pin it to the top of my page under give us your best thigh slap and rib tickler of a gag or something like that and win a bag of bendex goodies oh and i'll also be stealing your jokes and using them in my videos I went up north with my wife and kids during our Christmas break. We took four days and visited Lucky Bay, Wago and Kalbarri. And we also checked out along the coast and the National Park where the popular Kalbarri Skywalk and Nature's Window are sit situated. If you're keen on road trips but not so interested in off-roading, then this trip can easily be made 
without having to stick your car into four-wheel drive. The only times I aired down and put my Hilux in low range was to drive up the beach at Lucky Bay and also at Wago. The rest of the trip was on the blacktop and graded unsealed roads. We left Perth mid-morning and refuelled in Geraldton before continuing north to Lucky Bay, which is roughly 530 k's from Perth. Now, it's $15 per vehicle, uh, and there are designated campsites at the entrance to the beach. However, if you have a chemical toilet, you can drive up the beach to what makes Lucky Bay special because a few k's up the beach is a dry offshore reef that runs for hundreds of metres, if not a couple of kilometres, and creates a turquoise lagoon, perfect for swimming, fishing, snorkeling and spearfishing. Now, Mulloway are renowned in these parts and plenty of absolute donkeys, well over a metre, are regularly caught up here. We found a spot to set up our swags behind a sand dune and had a barbecue as the sunset. Just one word of advice, be prepared for wind as the coast from Geraldton to Calbarry is notorious for a consistent unrelenting sea breeze. After spending the night on the beach we packed up and headed to a place called Hut Lagoon aka the Pink Lake. The lake's iconic colouring is from the presence of algae in the highly saline waters of the lagoon. Uh, it's used, interestingly, as food colouring. Um, it's also a great source of vitamin A. Now, the lake takes a whole new level of awesomeness when viewed from the air. So if you have a drone, this is the ideal location to get some great aerial shots. From Hut Lagoon, we headed to Wago Chalets. This is a private farm with a camping area as well as some basic cabins, a small kitchen, and they also have four-wheel drive access to the beach, but you'll need to get the key from them to get down there. We booked an unpowered site for 35 bucks a night, set up our swags and headed down to the beach. Now this area, like Lucky Bay, is famous for its fishing. With plenty of daylight left, though, we went and explored the walk trails at Eagle Rock and uh, Pot Alley, both short but memorable tracks through the red rocks that give this area its distinct look down to the ocean. After a few hours of exploring, we headed back to the camp at Wago for dinner and just had an early night. The next day, we left Wago and continued our adventure by walking a circle loop walk trail called Rainbow Valley. It's a three-kilometre trail complete with information plaques throughout the hike that explains how the rock formations were made and points you in the direction of fossils dating back as far as four billion years. Next stop was the well-known Red Bluff lookout where we stopped at the nearby beach for a swim uh, and had a snorkel before heading into Calbarry itself for lunch at a cafe and a swim in the Murchison River. After relaxing in the water, we checked into Anchorage Caravan Park, set up our fishing gear and headed upstream along a dirt track for a few kilometres where we found the fishing to be absolutely amazing. The next day we headed out to Calbarry National Park where the iconic nature's window and the new Calbarry Skywalk are situated. I'm not one for busy touristy areas, so I'll be honest and say it really wasn't for me, but for those who enjoy easy scenic locations, the Skywalk 
is for you. The views are truly stunning. The walk out to nature's window gives visitors a couple of hundred meters of rocks to walk over. But for me, I found it to be much of a, you know, it's, it's a cash cow tourist trap. But that being said, I'm happy to go back again to walk Z Loop Trail. The trail was closed on our visit because the temperature was too high. Um, so it marked the end of our adventure and we headed back to Perth to prepare for Christmas, which I was lucky enough to spend down at Cottesloe Beach. The day after Christmas, we headed down to Melrose, which is 20 or so minutes south of Mandra, and we spent the next three days at the beach swimming, fishing, snorkeling, and I even had a crack at spearfishing with a gidgey that I picked up from my local fishing store for a bit of a laugh. Um, fast forward to today, and life's return to normal. I'm back at work, but well into daydreaming as I'm starting to plan my next adventure, which I'm thinking is going to be somewhere down south. Uh, I hope your Christmas and New Year's was epic, and I hope the rest of your summer is full of awesome memories. I'm always stoked to hear from you, so don't be a stranger and flick me a message on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, most of the main social media ones. I'm also uh, on uh, giving um, TikTok a go. I know it's meant to be for all the little squirts to go nuts on, but just on the quiet, I find TikTok pretty entertaining. Anyway, that's pretty much everything. If you've got any suggestions as to what you want from my channel, please let me know. If you're up for a wheel sometime, say g'day. And if not, and you just want to listen, I'll see you again soon on the next Epic Drives Western Australia podcast or on my YouTube channel. Anyway, I'm Dan. Catch ya.